I mean, really, our our ask is to stop acting as if the union doesn't exist and stop trying to push policy on us without negotiating first. I mean, the the overtime thing, the status quo has been you work the overtime you need to do to get the job done. And what they're now telling us is you need to stop what you're doing and request to work more overtime. So whether you're covering a building collapse or, you know, something is coming out of City Hall that's breaking, or you were covering something in federal court, and now you have to start writing the story before the end of your shift, that's the that's the directive. So we want them to stop with that, first of all, roll that back to the status quo. And then, you know, other issues have come up where they've just tried to bulldoze their wishes through into being new policy without bargaining with us first. And that needs to stop, too. It's FAQ NYC, the New Yorker's podcast from the newsroom by and for New Yorkers, the city. I'm Katie Honan. Today, we're going to talk about a depressing topic, the journalism industry. On Tuesday, unionized staffers at Condé Nast held a one-day walkout as top management folded Pitchfork into GQ and promised across-the-board cuts at multiple publications. On the same day, more than 100 staffers at the Los Angeles Times were laid off following their work stoppage days ago. Last week, the Baltimore Sun was bought by a guy who said he's only read it a few times. Time Magazine cut staff this week. Sports Illustrated cut everyone. It's been a brutal month in a brutal decade plus for journalism. And things aren't looking much better here in New York City. The unionized staff of the Daily News, the country's first daily tabloid that has been the voice of working class New York City since 1919, has lost more than two dozen reporters and editors in recent years. They've kept reporting on the city despite chronic cuts from its hedge fund owner, Alden Global Capital. And this morning, they're walking off the job too, staging a 24-hour work stoppage to protest the slashes made to an already skeleton staff that still just want to report on the greatest city in the world. Three of those reporters and union members are here today. Ellen Moynihan, a Metro reporter, Chris Sommerfeld, who covers City Hall, and Michael Sheridan, who is the head of video at The Daily News. I guess thank you all three for joining us. I know it's it's a, a big day here and, and it's been a long road to this. But I just wanted to ask, um, and I'll start with you, Ellen. Mm-hmm. What message do you hope to get across to management and then I guess also to your readers with this work stoppage? To the management, there's been too many cuts to the paper already. We can't sustain anymore. You know, we're a tiny, tiny crew covering a city of over 8 million And you keep hacking away at us. And, you know, the latest things that they're doing don't help our coverage. I mean, you can't this this isn't an eight hour a day job. People need more time than that. Um, And to the city, we care about you. We want to keep covering you, you know, but the management is making it really difficult for us. And I know you've been at the Daily News around eight years. Um, If you want to first and then I'll ask Chris and Michael. Um, for readers who might not, you know, people read the paper, they don't know what goes on behind the scenes, right? Even when things are great, they don't know what goes into making the news, whether it's reporting a story or making a video that that tells a story. So if you want to describe life of the daily news over the last, you know, from Tronk, when Tronk had bought it and, and onwards, what that has been like, because, you know, I hear about it from all of you, but just sort of that 
daily, weekly cutting, if you want to just describe a little bit? Well, it's changed even in the time that I've been there. I started in December 2015, and I was freelance for six years before I became staff. But I mean, we're New York's picture newspaper. We have no staff photographers. Um, in the beginning, for the first several years, you you know, a reporter would go out on the streets to cover something or wherever they're going to cover it, and they would always be paired with a photographer. Um, those photographers, the last of them were laid off in 2018. Um, you know, they it's it's take pictures with your cell phone camera. Um, that's kind of the directive. Um, it's editors have left and not been replaced. Right now, we have no Metro editor since uh, August of 2022. That's kind of unheard of. Uh, we have no newsroom. We have a WeWork, well, I call it WeWork. It's Workville. <laughs> it's a little office space in Midtown that about six people can fit into. Um, I mean, we've gone from, I think it was 70-something in 2021 to now we're at 54 minus management. Um, it's it's just shrunk and shrunk. Chris, how about you? What's what's it? I guess, what's the biggest effect that you've seen in your daily life with all of these cuts? I mean, in addition to the stuff that Ellen's talking about, the latest kind of depressing wrinkle in this is management's attempt to completely eliminate overtime for us, which when we are as short-staffed as we are, as Ellen just alluded to, it's impossible to put out a paper unless people are working overtime. That includes myself. That includes all of the people on the print design team that includes the people on on Michael's side with photo without overtime we we can't do this anymore because of how short staffed we are and now they're saying no more overtime so in reality i don't even know how they envision continuing putting out a paper every day and continuing produce at the rate that we still do despite the staff shortages and Michael, you know, had a video, and I know you also work in photo. What's that been like without any staff photographers? Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, without, for the most part, I've watched the, the the paper get dwindled down and dwindled down with the expectation that we're still supposed to do the same coverage. We don't have staff photographers, but we have very talented freelance photographers. We used to have a video department, which I used to run. We don't really have a video department anymore. I mean, you know, uh, for the most part, I'm a photo editor and I do some video editing. I've been at the Daily News for 17 years. I was a national desk editor. I was a reporter. Um, there isn't a job there that I haven't done at this point. I used to even lay out some pages back in the day. Um, it's not it, it, the idea that you could still do all those things today with the way they're running the staff, the way they've dwindled everything down is, is just difficult, if not um, impossible to continue in that, in that vein. And it's very sad to see, I mean, watching, watching it happen over these years, it's been sad to see them doing it. And if you want to talk a little bit about, um, I guess the timeline of your bargaining, I've been following the tweets and I know I hear from my, you know, my friends and colleagues who were bargaining, what, what that has been like, I don't know if Ellen, if you want to start, um, I know sometimes they don't sure. come to the table and just explain how that process has been. Yeah, it's a long process. It's a drawn out process just by its nature. I mean, we're starting a contract from scratch with all the proposals necessary. Um, initially, 
you know, we we were trying to get in on what the other Tribune owned papers, Chicago Tribune, Hartford Quran, Allentown, um, Allentown Morning Call um, had already achieved. They bargained together in something called the. Uh, what is it called again? The Joint Table. <laughs> so the Daily News was the last of the bunch to unionize. And we came to the table saying, great, we're going to ask to sign on to all the proposals that you guys had already agreed on. And they said, no, no, you're your own company. The Daily New York Daily News is separate from all the other Tribune owned papers. So we had to start literally from scratch. And that's been since that actually that bargaining began before I came into the unit as a staff member. So I'm going to let somebody else start with that info. Maybe Chris, when did we start bargaining? We started bargaining. Oof, that's a good question. It's been nearly two years, right? And it feels like we've made, I mean, we've made some progress getting um, preliminary agreements on some low-hanging fruit for the contract, but the real meat and potatoes of the contract, wages, healthcare, economics, we, we haven't gotten anything on that. And it's been almost two years. Um, and in large part, Ellen and and the rest of the bargaining committee are doing most of the work on this. So I'm just kind of speaking um, secondhand here. But for the most part, it seems like that's by design. Alden's lawyers are are delaying because that's what their aim is. They want to delay and delay and delay and delay and rather spend untold amounts of money on lawyers doing that than actually paying for the for the wage increases and the solid contract that we deserve. And if you want to just lay out a little bit about what you are asking for, um, I don't know if Michael, you have those, or whoever has it, just to explain a little bit about what are your biggest asks. I know you said they agreed to the lowest hanging fruit, but what are those big asks that they are not? And I'm sure in the grand, I'm sure in the larger scheme of things, they are not huge asks. But if you want to go into a little bit of detail about what what you're asking for, you know, most of us have not. Most of us, none of us have gotten a wage increase since uh, since bargaining started, obviously. Many of us have not gotten it, myself included, for six years now. Um, many of us got pay cuts during COVID that were never restored. So I think one of the most basic asks is just getting those cuts that all of us sustained reversed. Um, and then as well as you know, getting, as all unionized workforces usually do, getting a set rate of a pay increase each year. Um, and then beyond that, health care that actually provides us with the opportunity to go to the doctor without breaking the bank. Um, and let me kind of toss it over to Ellen for some of the other um, specifics on that. Um one of the one of the biggest things that we need to accomplish is something called jurisdiction and that's the right for guild members to perform all guild work at the paper um they're not they're not agreeing to that they want to be able to reassign our work to anyone at any time for any reason and that gives us no job security that's that's like a foundation of any contract um and you know we haven't we haven't quite gotten to the economic portion of the negotiations. We start off with the non-economic issues and then we move on. But I'll tell you right now, at the joint table, 
when they asked for a raise, they were told, you may not have a raise, you may have a bonus. And that is not going to fly in New York. I wanted to ask, um, and again, I, whoever can chime in on this is, first we'll get into the, the the larger context of what's happening to journalism today and where you view yourselves in that, because it, it it's incredibly disheartening, you know, what we all go through just trying to be reporters um, and seeing what's happened this week and in previous weeks. Where do you view the daily news and in, in that? Um, and then we'll get more into, you know, what you'd like to, you know, the kind of support and, and what you hope to get from readers on that. I don't know, Michael, if you want to start just for the interest of balance. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the daily news is in the position that uh, most newspapers are, right? I mean, it's not an easy time to be a newspaper anywhere in the world, I'm sure, but especially in the United States. <clears throat> there are all sorts of, of of financial issues that they all face. They were all facing them before any of these hedge fund people came in and started buying up properties, you know, digital overall has hurt newspapers. And the idea of them trying to find a way through that <clears throat> has been a challenge. Um, and I think I think it it gets worse when when companies kind of come in and they're not interested in being media companies. They're only interested in owning property. Right. And that's what that's yeah. that's what Alden's game is. They're you know, for whatever their motivations might be, their their interests are financial. They're not about the news. They're not about, you know, journalism or any of that kind of stuff. They only care about money. Um, and that's that's the sad part. And I wish I wish there was an easier answer for newspapers all over to to, to be able to find a way to be financially stable. Um, but I mean, you know, the daily news especially has been uh having financial problems for decades yeah. uh, for various reasons. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I, my dad was a reporter there, was a rewrite guy for 20 years. Um, you know, the daily news has been part of my family for forever. Um, and uh, my dad actually was in the strike back in the nineties. So I, 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 I would just like to believe that the daily news can, you know, be around for another hundred years. And that's what I'd like to see. And I'll ask because, you you know, that brings me to the next question of the significance of the Daily News to New York City, especially I think a certain faction of the working class. I always tell the story of when I was growing up, my dad would give me money to get the newspaper and, you know, it was get the daily. The paper meant the Daily News, right? Everything else. We didn't get the Post. New York News Day when it was still around. The Times was for weekends. But the Daily News is the paper. So I, I wanted to ask all three of you. What would you like to see readers do today, right? I know it's a, a work stoppage. I had to explain to my dad, you know, don't read the newspaper. <laughs> don't read it on your Kindle that I set up for you. So what do you want in terms of support? And why would this walkout matter to them, to both readers and then just New Yorkers in general? Um, you know, what, what do you want to hear from them? And then also what can we expect during this walkout? Well, it's it's funny because. Um... I think we were talking about some of the walkout stuff of of reaching out. This is the best example I can have of celebrities mm. um, to try to get some support there. Um, but I've always kind of looked at it like, well, it's always a hit or miss with celebrities, right? Because we probably pissed a few off over the years. You know, I don't <laughs> think Baldwin Alec Baldwin's <laughs> going to be coming out uh, and and rushing to our defense. Um, 
But I think the key part is is it's not just so much about the daily news, but it's about news in general, right? It's about supporting journalism and newspapers because newspapers are like the backbone of of information. And if you're not going to support newspapers, then you're you're supporting whatever crazy internet person is going to claim they're they're a news person or you know commentators on cable television. You know those aren't news people. Those are commentators who are interested in, you know, making people crazy. Uh, you know, the real stories, the city hall coverage, the 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 crime stories, the 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 stories that actually impact local communities and individual people, that comes from newspapers. Um, and that's really the most important thing. I mean, it, it, maybe you don't always like um what they cover, but the the, the important thing is that they're there. Um, to hold people accountable and to expose things that need to be shown, you know, that some people would like to stay in darkness and you got to bring it out into the light. And that's what newspapers do. And that's why you need to support local journalism. And that's what the Daily News is. It's the New York hometown paper. Uh, and and, and it, 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 you, we need that kind of stuff. We need those sorts of institutions to continue to exist for for uh, for everybody. Also, what supporters and readers can do today as we're walking out beyond not reading the daily news for today, uh, we have a petition that's going to be circulating um, that we encourage everyone to sign if they want to protect the daily news and support us. Uh, and we also have a GoFundMe page where we're going to be raising funds for um, you know union members who are going to be financially impacted uh, from this walkout. So both of those are direct actions uh, that supporters and readers should definitely um, should definitely consider supporting today. I do want to ask, and I'll ask each of you um, individually, right? Uh, so today you're walking out, and it's been incredibly stressful dealing with all of this bargaining. Um, but in between that, you, you every single day you work, you get up, and you're grinding, and you're doing your job. I think of someone like you know Ellen. You're you're covering breaking news. People, you're talking to people on the worst day of their lives because it's an important thing for the city to know about. Chris, you're dealing with harassment from the mayor of New York every single day. Um, and and Michael, you know, you're also kind of putting together all these stories in a concise way for for people to consume. So we'll start with you, Ellen. What keeps you motivated to continue doing the job? while fighting just for the for for the opportunity to do it fighting with the people who are technically paying you to do it i mean they're both kind of the same thing to me um you know i'm i get to tell the stories of new yorkers and you're right i get to talk to people on the worst days of their lives and people open their doors to me and they invite me in and i sit down and i i talk with them about whatever traumatic thing has occurred in their life um i'm telling their story and i'm part of the union and I am on the bargaining committee so I can continue to do that. So this, this paper doesn't turn into a wisp and fly off in the wind. And there's actually, you know, somewhere we don't want a New York where the only other daily tabloid is the, the New York post. You know what I mean? We need the, the point of view of the daily news. We need, we need that in New York. And Michael kind of touched on this too, but I, I think Daily newspapers in a large city like New York are crucial for holding power to account. Um, and when we have a shrinking media market like this, I think 
the Daily News plays a critical role in reporting on on city government, on reporting on politics and things that might otherwise go completely uncovered due to the state of the media market. Um, and, you know, I've always considered that a privilege to be able to do that at the same time as I think that it's an essential part of how the city should operate. Without it, I think the city would be worse off. New Yorkers would be worse off. Uh, a lot of things would be worse off without that type of coverage. Uh, you know, I, I, I just look at it as uh, I, I like what I do and I like the job. Uh, and I believe that it's important um, that there that there be, you know, good news coverage. Um, in terms of how I balance, you know, that with with being part of the union and part of the bargain committee, is you know I I respect all the people that we're dealing with. I have no issue, personal issue with management or or the company per se. I don't agree with decisions they're making. And in terms of being in the union, our job is to do what's best for the employees and for, and that's a, that's a dual thing, right? It's about making the daily news a place people want to be at and want to work at and make it something that uh, it, it makes it possible for people to work there without having to do three other jobs, but also to make sure that the that the daily news can continue to do what it's what people rely on it to do, which is to convey news and information, and provide people with the the the, the details about what's going on in the city, uh, and help them know what to what what what's important or what to care about or that something you know this person's doing something wrong. I mean, you know, look at the George Santos scenario you know you want the prime example of what happens when you don't get proper news coverage you get a guy like that elected who was uh who who, who seemed to be uh completely disingenuous of who he actually was so i mean i, I think i think news and coverage is important local news matters and uh that's what keeps me motivated and keeps me going that it it that means something and and i'm willing to to do what uh is necessary in order to fight for fight for it. And for the listeners, um, you know, it's Thursday morning when this is dropping. How can they support you? I know there's a there's a picket if you want to give some more directions on on if people do want to come out. Alec Baldwin, if you're listening, come out and support. I know you're having a rough time, but come out and support. Um, he used to have a podcast and news. So anyone else who wants to go out and support, if you want to just give that little that would be the greatest thing in the world if Alec Baldwin, of all the people in the world, it's like only Nixon can go to China. Alec Baldwin <laughs> showing up to support the Daily News would be, that would be a headline. Uh, uh, that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're starting the day with a uh, picket at 10 a.m. outside 1412 Broadway. Uh, that is not the Daily News newsroom because unfortunately we no longer have one. It was shut down during the pandemic and never reopened. That's where we have the the workville space. That's where we have to go and pick it. That's what we're doing. Um, pick it rally at noon, and then we're going to pick it a little more until two in the afternoon. So we'll be there basically from ten to two. Anyone wants to come by support us? That would be lovely. Um, we're going to have some speakers uh, from our union and also from a couple of other locals, and we are going to have Scabby the Rat. That's the only draw. That's the only thing I care about. 
either Scabby the rat or, you know, have you seen the fat cat smoking a cigar? Ellen, Chris, and Michael from the Daily News, uh, hardworking reporters and and hardworking union members. Thank you for joining me and, and sharing what you've been going through. And, you know, listeners, please support. If you're listening, I'm going to presume you like local journalism. So I thank you for listening and find ways to support. Thanks, all three of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. F-A-Q. FAQ NYC is part of the city, a nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom dedicated to hard hitting journalism that serves the people of New York and is freely available to everyone. Find it all at thecity.nyc. The pod receives support from PT Knitwear, an independent bookstore, cafe, and event space on Manhattan's Lower East Side with a podcast studio that can be freely reserved for community use. And the pod is an affiliate of the Colin Powell School of CUNY City College, where our co-host, Dr. Christina Greer, is one of the Moynihan Public Scholars inaugural fellows. And we're an affiliate of the Flaming Hydra Newsletter, a collective of 60 writers and artists, including me, Harry Siegel, delivering a cooperatively owned newsletter to your inbox that you'll actually want to open. See more and subscribe at flaminghydra.com. Our host this episode was the great Katie Hona. I'm our executive producer, and our engineer is the inimitable Adam Kamara. A special thank you to our guests, Ellen Moynihan, Chris Sommerfeld, and Michael Sheridan of the New York Daily News, New York's hometown paper. Thank you, listener, for joining us and making it this far. Be kind, be easy, and we'll be back soon with more.